Hello and welcome to Smoking the Industry, your number one spot for staying up to date with cannabis news. This is Heavy Days, coming at you from the Upside Down Library. Let's get into it for January 2020. First things first, grab your bongs, your bowls, your fat joints, your blunts, your hookahs, your dab rigs. It's time to get high with the weed nerd. It's with great sadness that we bid a final goodbye to one of the industry's most veteran and well-known members, Montgomery Ball, also known as Subcool. Subcool is a man who influenced many for the better. He was not just a grower or a breeder. He was someone who went out of his way to educate people about how they could grow better cannabis and better medicine. He gave away an enormous amount of genetics, clones, soil, he gave away gifts in general without expecting anything in return. Sub even spent time in a jail cell for the plant. I also know for a fact that there are well-known figures within our industry who have served time for the plant as well. And during this time, Sub made sure to put money in their account every week so that they had funds. This is the type of person that Sub was. He was, at his core, one of the most generous, passionate and caring people you would come across. His work is found in many other breeders' lines, including Bog, Brothers Grimm, Bodie, heck, even DJ Short's newer releases use the Chernobyl, and that's just to name a few. The effect Sub has had on the community has been deep, while also reaching far and wide. He's worked with many breeders over the years under the larger umbrella of TGA genetics. And while he is not without his controversy, it's near impossible to not have some of Sub's work directly in your garden or by proxy in your seed stash. It is with a heavy heart we say farewell Sub. Thank you for everything you did. May the pool of dank be flowering forever. In this episode, we're going to touch on a few things that happened in December, since a lot tends to go on around this time of year. Up next, we have the Ego Clash, which was a hugely fun and successful event, which took place in the Mendo area and was put on by Third Gen Family Farms and several others. There were multiple major categories, and we were lucky enough to be able to chat with the winners of both the hash and flower categories, respectively. So for the flower category, we have two strains of OCD Farms taking out flower first place for the second year in a row with his Gelato S1 dubbed Pagoto. This self-proclaimed bag seed has secured two strains, his first place title for the second year in a row. I was lucky enough to try some of the Pagoto and trust me, it's the real deal. When asked for comment, two strains had the following to say. My boy was getting bags of Gelato 41 from Shabinsky, and he saved all the seeds he found. He gave them to me to do a pheno hunt, so I did. I won in 2018 with Gelato 415. It was the number 5 pheno I had, so I kept the 5 and used the 41 and came up with 415. It's also our area code in the bay. The Bogoto was the number 8 pheno. I had other phenos, but they weren't as exotic or as unique as these two, so I just kept these. They were grown with vital garden products, so soil, fish, kelp, teas, a few other products. In terms of which one of the two is my favourite, it's hard to say. The 415 is super dark purple and has different trichomes than the other pheno. It smells very different to the Pagoto too. Pagoto had a really light violet purple colour and is super frosty, almost like purple punch. 
Both are amazing phenos and I would put them against any strain out there. They both smoke amazing. For the hash category, we have Archive and Burnside Collective with their 90 micron Lemon Cane taking out first place in the hash category. Lemon Cane is a cross of Lemon Peel, also known as One Star, crossed to Dosey Doe, and was grown by Burnside Collective and processed by Archive. When asked for comment, Burnside had the following to say. The Lemon Cane was grown in cocoa with MP Carly Pro Nutrients. He's a friend of ours. You know, a lot of people hate on salts, but I truly believe if you know how to grow your plant, it doesn't matter what you feed it. And if you're growing for resin, it's 100% environmental and proper watering. This win, of course, stimulated some discussion around which grow styles reign supreme and if a particular style is better suited for concentrate production. Overall, a big thank you to the crew at 3rd Gen Family Farms and especially Brandon and all those who helped support and put the event on. It was a great event and a fun one to go to. Likewise, we saw the Canna Illuminati party, which was orchestrated largely by Matt Wright and Resinlung and was held around the time of the Emerald Cup and the Ego Clash. It seems as though smaller, more intimate events may be the way forward given the decline of larger corporate events like the Emerald Cup and High Times. Up next, we have some of the cookie outdoor drama. The recent Emerald Cup, we saw Cookies rolling out their brand new line of products, including the Mints, a collaboration with JB's UFC Junkie, as well as others. However, this is not the highlight of the story. Several crops were purchased from various growers, including outdoor crops, which marks the first official offering for outdoor grown and branded cookies. However, to the disappointment of some buyers, Botrytis was in some of these outdoor buds. Instagram posts were made and the meme accounts unsurprisingly went to town with it. When Burner, Powers Up and Jigger all promise to make things right, we see follow-up posts that show them asking the individuals to come to their store where they were given different bags of weed. Make what you will of the situation, however, you cannot ignore that the tide of premium commercial grade cannabis is turning. Outdoor and outsourced crops are now a part of the repertoire for some premium brands like Cookies, which once almost exclusively sold indoor. Finally, we wanted to touch on the Emerald Cup. A big congrats to all the winners and those acknowledged for their services this year. First of all, we have Mel Frank being introduced into the Breeders' Hall of Fame. He was a photographer, a botanist, and an author of three cannabis cultivation books, which combined have sold over a million copies. When High Times began in 1974, Mel Frank was the first to answer readers' questions, and he followed by contributing dozens of articles and photographs that helped establish High Times as one of the leading resource magazines for growers at the time. Mel was instrumental in promoting the idea of Sensamia Bud being superior to Seeded, which at the time was not a well-known or accepted concept. This should give some indication of how deep this man's roots go. If he was instrumental in promoting the idea that Sensibud was more potent. Mel has consistently been an educator and an advocate for growing your own, publishing countless articles on growing, the first of which was in 1971 in a New York flyer for the Rolling Stones, where he authored a two-part series on growing marijuana under fluorescent lights. Mel's advocacy and work has continued over the years, with him taking up a position at the Oaksterdam University for many years now as a special instructor. 
His contributions are countless, and we believe Mel is a fantastic choice for the Breeders' Hall of Fame. This year at the Emerald Cup, we have several winners we wanted to congratulate. For the BHO solid category, it was taken out by Skittles, by the crew at Turpog and Humboldt Turp Council. The BHO liquid category was taken out by Rainbow Driver Surprise, by Sabretooth Farms. Mixed Light Flower was taken out by Ice Cream Cake, by Josh D and his crew at Santa Barbara, followed by Tits coming in second place by D-Back Genetics. The Sun Grown Flower category. First place, Ridgeline Runs by Ridgeline Farms. Second place, Passion Orange Guava or Pog by Green Shock Farms, Mendocino. And third, White Runts by Humboldt Redwood Healing. Finally, in the Breeders' Cup, we have Pog taking it out. Passion Orange Guava, Green Shock Farms. Congrats to all the winners. Well deserved on everyone's part. So a huge congrats to Ridgeline for taking out first place in the outdoor category for the second year in a row, this year with their runts. What I found noticeable was that third place came in using white runts, which to me really hammers home the point that we've just experienced the year of the runts, and if you don't believe me, I don't know what will convince you. In regards to the Emerald Cup itself, there was, however, a noticeable absence of stalls this past year. More than one larger scale tent which housed hundreds of stalls in prior years was not present. Many companies who were present in prior years were noticeably absent this year, with the general vibe being considered more corporate and more orientated for the casual consumer. There was far less breeders than normal, far less people bringing their own flower in, and far more people buying eighths in shiny mylar bags. There were larger scale musical acts such as Santi Gold and Emancipator, which undeniably would have cut into the budget for infrastructure like more tents to house more booths, though this decision was clearly intentional on the part of the Emerald Cup. My favourite part was the security guards who all smoked and were like, yo homie, give me a bud and I'll let you take whatever weed's in your bag in. To which we threw them an eighth in a sandwich bag. No shiny mylar for this one. And that's all the news we have for this month. Thanks for listening to Smoking in the Industry. This is Heavy D from the USD Library, signing off. Hope to see you next time. Minor shout out to Sticker Farmer killing the mean game and that lemon tree guy having that epic meltdown. One love, brother.